0: Welcome to the Rachel Surmani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. I'm Rachel Surmani, and I'm a singer and songwriter, maker of things. Generally, I'm a creative being with a strong sense of the creative in all beings. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to... The Rachel Surmani's finger that points to the moon podcast. Very excited um, by everyone's response to the first podcast and grateful if you were listening again. And I said in the last podcast that I was going to tackle that of the muse. But (laughs) the more I've thought about tackling this topic, it's been really interesting because... It's totally indefinable and difficult to... It's just very difficult to tackle for various reasons on many levels. Um, but nonetheless, I'm going to do it. Much like my talking about the inner critic in the previous podcast, there's so much more that could have been said. So that's, where, that's how I'm going to work with this new topic I want to acknowledge that today is the day of the full moon in Scorpio. Don't necessarily know what that means. I am a Scorpio myself, and I've sort of dedicated this day to this task and some other creative processes, because that's what feels like a nice way to honour the day. Um, And I hope that wherever you are, whatever... Phase the moon is in for you, in your current state of listening. I hope you're feeling all right. It's been one of building tension for me. And actually, I think a lot of it is wrapped up, strangely enough. Somewhere in this theme, first I I did some actual formal research, and I came up with um, the nine goddesses, daughters of Zeus and Nymocene... They were the muses that preside over the arts and sciences. And then the second definition was a woman, or a force personified as a woman, who is the source of inspiration for a creative artist. The whole time that I had been thinking about it myself, I I was seeing it in the guise of a man, because that is what the muse has come in the guise of for me oftentimes, certainly on the surface yeah so interesting so then i i had I had these formal definitions, and then I went and asked the people of Instagram what their feeling was towards the word and the concept. They were so helpful for me, and also they're just brilliant depictions of what it is to different people and how varying it can be um to an extent. A person, artist, experience that can open your eyes to the next layer of depth and detail in your art. Anything that's existence spurs on the creative process. Someone said nature. Someone said Patty Smith. Someone said truth is the ultimate muse. The secret corner of my mind that whispers wonder in dreams. That raw spark of human inspiration. Now, I'll stop here because the raw spark of human inspiration is like, I think, a really more simple way to tackle this behemoth. Yeah, this is that raw spark that sometimes we just witness being ignited in us. There's no knowing where it might come from. I'm going to list a few general things that have helped me um, write songs have inspired and sparked me into... Oh, there goes a the lawnmower. Ach, well. I once shared a house concert with Jessica Hoop. I'd been struggling to write a particular song. I'd had this dream and a nightmare, more so. I wanted to to get it out of my system, in a sense, if anything, just, just a minute little bit of relief. I, I was listening to her tell some story and then fluidly move into one of her songs and I felt myself being drawn in. The whole world was being sucked away and it was just this song and this presence frozen, made limp. Then I sort of slumped against the, the door frame and slid down whilst everybody just amongst all the legs of people standing I slid down and I just like hung my head and I just absorbed what this woman was transmitting it was amazing and it was like she had yeah it was like she'd given me a transmission I knew how to tackle the song now and that song ended up being one called I've got a girl opened the door, I guess, to a much darker place, a place that I obviously hadn't given myself permission to go to, or just didn't know the road. And this makes me think of a piece of advice that my friend Finn from Fink gave me. I'm doing a lot of work with Finn just now, and I remember when I was touring with him uh, almost ten years ago now, he told me one of his little songwriting tips, which was to, when you get stuck somewhere, what would so and so do in this situation what does this need and what would what would um chris martin from coldplay do or what would björk do you use your your very wonderful and potent imagination to explore other potentials i spoke of björk there and i remember listening to her a lot and and starting to notice that she uses very little in terms of chords. Oftentimes it's one or two chords just in a sort of drone or circular motion. Like if you think of it's like dum da dum 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 And she's just singing over this. And then for the chorus, it sort of just modulates somewhere. Who knows where? But what it feels like to me is that she's like swinging... The way she was using the melody around this was like swinging around a pole and, and, and getting really creative with how one does that because you have to get really creative when you're only using one card. And what's interesting also is when you give yourself that stringency of one or two cards, you do get creative. The notion of creating yourself some structure and some stringencies came from listening and being inspired by the spark that is Bjork. I have a song called Two Birds and it was that exercise of only using two cards pirouetting around those two cards in a creative way and seeing what could happen and how one builds that kind of a, a song with nothing nothing changing in the card sequence. Gillian Welch if I think on her (laughs) I trust myself to expand the song or to continue with the same sequence in the song that nothing needs to change and it can be as long and meandering and repetitive as I want because that can create such an amazing and particular vibe Gillian Welch is a in my ears the queen of that the queen of taking you somewhere then keeping you there like like you're on a train so you're still travelling but you're sat in the same place for a very long time sometimes and it's extremely extremely satisfying so yeah she imbues a sense of trust in me and also endurance then let's get a little bit more abstract with the muse let's, let's go a level in one Muse for Me, One Spark, The literar- Literary World, Writers and Writings, um, Herman Hess. Whenever I read his books, I felt like I was being given something that I could work with creatively. I think something I took from Herman Hess was this notion of symbolism Um, which I would also relate these days to Jung. But symbolism seems to me to be very important. I, I, I want to know why certain things are done or why an ornament doesn't sit on my shelf without having some sort of a meaning within it. It sort of gives me a sort of sense of depth and richness. And I think that that also is... really cool tool in the songwriting process because it's not that you necessarily need to be overt or traditional with the symbols that you use. I think the symbols are quite potent. When I'm teaching workshops, I often encourage people not to go with the cliché Oh my goodness, there's lots of phrases that you could call a cliché and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them at all. Actually, sometimes that's the, that's the right line. But sometimes um, you're just saying it because that's the way you think you're meant to say it when actually beneath that layer is your own symbol. You know, you broke my heart. How else can you say that? That feels, like, that you feel... And this takes me back to the muse of the dream. The, the cool thing about the dream is that it's almost giving you images to work with that are already symbolic. And in the likes of I've Got a Girl, which I spoke of before, that was sort of helped along by Jessica Hoop, there are elements to that. Maybe I'll go through it. So I've Got a Girl... So I'm never quite lonely. I've got a girl who looks just like the other, who looks just like me. That's the first verse and I've got a girl and it's talking about the number three and the fact that in my dream, there were three versions of me. And in the second verse, it's, can't bear that I bared this, like this isn't sacred. Can't bear that I bared my legs to this crowd. Bearing your legs relates to sort of symbol that I read about in a book, that if if one has uh, holes in their tights and their dreams or something like that, there's something to do with shame there. Other people might not relate that at all to shame, but I totally thought that was a, an amazing image. So there's some actual woman muses and then some abstract muses But I haven't actually spoken about what I was actually exploring in my own self. What I think has been the case for a lot of my songs is that perhaps the muse has been on the surface somebody. My friend Siobhan Wilson actually answered my question about the muse on Instagram saying um, that it's... It's complicated for her as it might involve objectifying a human to extract inspiration. She likes more to think of the muse as a collaborator, but often without agency. Oh, she's such a clever woman. But I'm beginning to realise only now that um, the phrase came to me that I wasn't chasing you, you being my object of romantic interest, but I was chasing a song. And that sounds very cruel. Thwack. People who sparked my romantic interest and also a lot of my songs. There were also almost always some particular traits um, that accompanied these people that created the spark. One would be distance. The Atlantic Ocean, she's a big muse for me, it would seem. And longing, either longing for or kind of a longing to be without. And this is where my new explorations are taking me and causing me much confusion. Oh, and this is where I would love to read a quote that somebody sent me. Isabel sent me this. This is a quote from Wendell Berry. There are, it seems, two muses. The muse of inspiration, who gives us inarticulate visions and desires, and the muse of realisation, who returns again and again to say, it is yet more difficult than you thought. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And when we no longer know which way to go, we have begun our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. I recognise that there is this part that always fed off a particular relationship. I don't necessarily know if it's right to, now that I have seen certain aspects of my character a little bit more, to continue as if I haven't. (laughs) Does this make sense? What the, what the heck does the artist do when they see the muse for what it is? <laughs> what gets written now? Okay, so I want to speak a little bit more about writing songs and looking inward. Um, one thing I think to avoid in a song is the victim mentality. I just don't think it's going to make as good a song if you turn it round, you're so much more likely to see more and develop more from it and write something that's actually more universal, that speaks to people in a, in a far stronger way because we're all in relationship with ourselves. For example, the, the song, I wrote a song called Bones, ignited initially by the awareness that someone I knew was having an affair I I turned it inwards. I I had the dialogue with myself because that potential is in me as much as it is in anybody else. I guess you could say that's like working with a shadow. So I think I'll read something to you now. The thing I spoke about before, though, it's like there was a void and in it was a flame. And this flame was the igniter to a lot of my songs. This flame, I guess, was... A double flame, the one that yearns for connection and the one that yearns for freedom. And this is where I, I bring in the prophet by Kilio Gibran, because I've opened the page and I found this. And an orator said, speak to us of freedom. And he answered, at the city gate and by your fireside, I have seen you prostrate yourself and worship your own freedom even as slaves humble themselves before a tyrant and praise him though he slays them. I, in the grove of the temple and in the shadow of the citadel, I have seen the freest among you wear their freedom as a yoke and a handcuff. And my heart bled within me, for you can only be free when even the desire of seeking freedom becomes a harness to you, and when you cease to speak of freedom as a goal and a fulfilment. If it is an unjust law you would abolish, that law was written with your own hand upon your own forehead. You cannot erase it by burning your law books nor by washing the foreheads of your judges, though you pour the sea upon them. And if it is a ruler you would dethrone, see first that his throne erected within you is destroyed. For how can a tyrant rule the free and the proud? but for a tyranny in their own freedom and a shame in their own pride. And if it is a care you would cast off, that care has been chosen by you rather than imposed upon you. And if it is a fear you would dispel, the seat of that fear is in your heart and not in the hand of the feared. Verily, all things move within your being in constant half-embrace. The desired and the dreaded, the repugnant and the cherished, the pursued and that which you would escape. These things move within you as lights and shadows and pairs that cling. And when the shadow fades and is no more, the light that lingers becomes a shadow to another light. And thus, your freedom, when it loses its fetters, becomes itself the fetter. Of a greater freedom. Ooh There you have it, my first attempt at exploring and expressing my own understanding currently of the muse and the spark um, and that which inspires. There's episode two of Rachel Sermani's finger that points to the Moon Podcast so grateful for all the people who fed back with their little blind drawings or their stream of consciousness. Really fun, really fun. And this one's a wee bit heavier, I think. If there's anything that resonated in this podcast for you, I'd be interested to know. In terms of the next podcast, I think I'd really like to do um, a short meditation and prayer with the intention of rippling out something good to those who were cohabiting um, a space with so you can expect something quite different to what's happened in this podcast which was likely very different to that which happened in the first podcast Um, but thank you so much for listening Um, wish me luck on this full moon I send my love and my being including my own confusion um, out to you with intention in the hope that at the very least we all don't feel too alone in the experience of being a human being it's it's worth recognizing that you're doing great okay have a lovely day thank you for listening this has been rachel Sermani's finger that points to the moon podcast episode two um, and i will sh- i look forward to the next time thank you bye